When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. A dream is made real. Ricky Hatton rocks the world. How do you like it? How do you like it? Wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. It's over. Mamma mia. He's done it. Anthony Joshua defeats Vladimir Klitschko. Uh. Welcome back, fight fans, and happy new year. It's 2022. BTR Boxing Podcast is back for another year of some absolutely brilliant content coming in your ears, whether it's in your workplace, whether it is in your home doing your chores, or whether it's just out walking the dog, however you consume it. This is it. It's back. We're back for a new year. We're back to bring you some great episodes across the whole of the network. But this episode, Fight Fans, is all about 2021. Better late than never is the phrase that I'd like to coin for this. We are releasing it on the 10th of January. And yeah, 2021's been and gone. People have forgot about that. People have already focused on what boxing is going to be like for 2022. But because of our Darker Side of Boxing series running consecutively every week... We didn't really have the time to sit down and do any of our big fight previews and reviews. And we wasn't able to sit down before Christmas and, and be able to do an end of year show. So we feel like we've kind of neglected those fans that have come to us and listened to us because of our takes and our opinions on fighters and, and boxing in general and the current state of affairs within the sport. So I thought it was fair that we made sure that we did our 2021 recap but it's more of a an award show you know a lot of podcasts seem to be doing you know this these award shows now and and i think we've always kind of done something similar so i felt like we wanted to do something and and really reflect upon some of these great fights from 2021 and obviously look ahead to, to what's to come this year so johnston handing it back over to you my friend like 2021 you know, it did bring us some 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 significant moments in boxing, some significant fights, some absolute barn burner fights, and this episode's all about celebrating them really and, and discussing our favourites and discussing who we would think would be worthy of of the mantelpiece of the fighter of the year or fighter of the year. Yeah, it's been um, 
it's been a good year in, in terms of compared to last year. Last year was a very stop-start, wasn't it? It didn't it didn't really get going at any times, and and then you had the, the COVID testing. A lot of sort of happened again this year, where fighters are getting uh, tested positive and then they can't fight. Uh, shows are getting cancelled, but fans are back this year compared to last year, which is great, and I think that's been. Um, that has definitely helped the fighters, and it's helped the, us watching at home and getting a feel for that that feel good factor when we're watching these fights again. And and certainly towards the back end of the year, I mean even the beginning of the year, to be fair, um, there, there's been some real great fights, and um, it's it's been nice, as I say, to have, finally get the fans back in, and um, and to I mean some of them really haven't disappointed. So uh, it's gonna be fun going back on some of these fights and the fighters themselves and. And who we think of the fighters of the year, etc., UK and global, however you want to put it. But it's going to be uh, a reminiscing uh, of 2021, and and it's been it was uh, for me it's better than, better year than last year. Yeah, better than 2020. Of course, it was. 2020 was just all about you know the pandemic and how it affected the whole world. 2021 was about how the world's going to get back on its feet again, and in the sport of boxing in particular, it was about how we're going to bring fans back into the fold. How are these big fights going to happen? Well, actually, we did get a lot of big fights. I wasn't hopeful that we were going to get any, to be honest with you. After we did our boxing wish list for 2021, I was thinking, bloody hell, are we actually going to get some some big fights <laughs> yeah. this year because of the unpredictability of what's going on? But actually, when I've gone back through the notes for, for this episode, the awards show, I'm thinking, actually, you know, we did get a pretty decent year, you know, f- considering, considering the situation that was going on across the globe. So we've got many awards to, to go through, many categories, uh, many different fights and fighters that are involved. And it's not going to be so different from probably most people's understanding of what they think the greatest fight of the year was or the greatest fighter of the year was. It's not going to be too far away from that. Of course, people will have a difference of opinion on it. People will say that we're wrong. People will say that they're right. That is just the way the sport is. It's so subjective. People have got their own takes on things or they consider themselves to be boxing expert number one on Twitter. However you however you want to perceive it, listen, it's all about fun for us. This is just an award show for, for what we think was a relatively decent year. So we've got these categories. The first category on the list was the global fight of the year. So just defining global, Johnston, what we mean by that is not so much on our show in the UK. We're on about across the whole of the world and we're talking about all the fights that have happened uh, and the different continents and all the fights that have really captivated the audiences for one reason or another. So we're going to start with the female category and we're going to start with, we've got four fights on the list, five fights on the list, sorry, and we've got the rematch between Jessica McCaskill and Cecilia Brackhouse. McCaskill was successful in defending all her titles, winning a unanimous decision over 10 rounds. Then, most recently, we had the Amanda Serrano and Daniela Bermudez fight, and that ended within nine rounds when Amanda Serrano stopped Bermudez. Then, earlier in the year, we had Shannon Courtney and Ebony Bridges going at it in (laughs) what most people said was the law of attraction fight, you know, 
going to, to to the looks of these individuals and talking about like how Ebony Bridges has come onto the scene because of her looks and how Shannon Courtney didn't like that because she was perceived to be you know this attractive female boxer within the UK. Ebony Bridges comes over and kind of blows that a little bit out of the water because of the way she's grown her following on social media. But Shannon Courtney got that victory that night, a 10-round unanimous decision over Ebony Bridges. Now, the two major fights of the year... Uh, well, these are the ones I consider to be the two major female fights of the year. And again, people might say we're wrong, but these are the ones that we consider to be the two major fights of the year. Katie Taylor and Natasha Jonas, I thought, was a fight that needed to happen. It's been a long time coming, and I'm glad it finally happened. And it was a very close fight, but Katie Taylor got a 10-round unanimous decision over Jonas. And it was quite a gutsy late re- reply and rally to Edge what I thought was a stunning fight with Jonas and she managed to defend her titles at the Manchester Arena and I kind of felt sorry for Jonas because I felt like that is so much potential that's still unfulfilled and I don't know how much longer she's got left in the sport. And then the final one, before we, we go over to yourself, Johnson, and just sort of recap on your thoughts, is Michaela Mayer winning that 10-round unanimous decision over Maiva Hamadouche. And that was a brilliant fight. That was probably... My fight from the States, you know, my female fight from over in the States was probably that one for the for 2021. I think that was the one that I was most entertained by when it came down to the females getting in the ring and, and giving us a great show. And it was a really, really good fight. Mayer actually proved again that, you know, she is a, a top dog in the division. She's a top dog in that division. And people, are, I think, are underestimating her uh, as, as a unified, potential unified and undisputed champion of the division. That was another great fight. These these were the two major, major fights, Taylor and Jonas and Mayer and Hamadouche. But, Johnston, I've said enough now. It's your turn to give your take and your perception of all these fights and, and, and ultimately which fight you think out of all of them would win the award of Global Female Fight of the Year. Oh, I think I think for me, straight up, is uh, Mayer and Hamadouche. Uh, I think that was uh, my fight of the year for the females. It was a, it was a slugfest for 10 rounds. Um, although Maya, you know, her superior skills obviously came through in the later rounds and she overcome Hamadou. She's aggressive style, but it was a, a, a tremendous fight. It really was. Um, I mean, a close second for me is Katie Taylor and Natasha Jonas. I think Natasha, what, what I liked about that was we, uh, we actually did a preview show before, before this fight. And I thought we felt that Taylor would win this quite convincingly. And, and Natasha is probably a little bit out of her depth and hadn't proven herself in the pro game. And she proved us wrong uh, along with a lot of people with a, a great performance from Natasha. And, um, and some people still feel that she should have got the nod over Katie Taylor. It was a, it was a great performance, but look, it was, it was, it, for, for me, they're the two standout fights. If you know, if you're going to look at female fights for this year, then I would say they are the two fights to go to. And um, and, and you know, uh, uh, you won't be disappointed if you haven't seen. I'm sure many people have. But obviously, you know, the Shannon Courtney Ebony Bridges, you know, with all the crap that came with it, and it, why Ebony Bridges isn't even fighting Sharon, Shannon Courtney. But um, look, she she got the win, and she looked a bit of a mess as well, Bridges, didn't she? After uh, as well as Bermundes as well, who also got a bit of a pasting by Serrano um, and you know just to mention Jessica McCaskill because you know I felt that Celia Brokast was probably going to win the first one and I sort of felt that maybe she's going to get the second uh, she, she's going to come back and win the rematch I was so wrong uh, Brokast <laughs> is she she uh, 
she fell way below the wayside against Jessica and Jessica McCaskill. She just proved once again that she's a, a fantastic fighter. She really is a good girl. To you know, she's she's proved herself. You know, it's, it's it's one of those ones. You know, first time, oh yeah, she got lucky. Second time, she she was even better for me. And um, you know, great great respect to Jessica McCaskill for for winning the rematch. You know, I think I think that's another thing as well. I mean, we're going to talk about um, um, Lamachenko later on and and um, and Teofilo Lopez and stuff. But you know, the fact that Lo Lopez and Lamachenko didn't get their rematch on, and Lamachenko sort of didn't want to. It seemed like he didn't want to take that second fight. And in hindsight, you know, we'll speak about it after. But if he had of, maybe he could have retained all of his titles in that rematch. Jessica goes in uh, and breakers. Well, they they led the way. They showed the, the men how you're supposed to do it. And uh, Jessica came through victorious again. So look, all in all, I think the female fights have been have been really good. I think some of them have overshadowed. The men at times. Um, I know the pool is smaller. There's not as much depth in there. But it's nice to see. Um, but, yeah, for me, I don't know about you, Sean, but Maya and Hamadouchi are my, is my global fight of the year. Yeah, I think when we define a fight as global, I think you have got to consider that they're, they're, they're all over the show. And rather than going, you know, for a fight where it was UK-based, I've got, I wanted to yeah. go for the fact that it was a US-based fight. And the, the Maya Hamadouche fight, for me, in terms of the level of skill, ability, grit and determination and heart in a fight, that's the one that won it for me. That's the one that I would give an award to. Here's, here's your metaphorical award. Here's your virtual <laughs> award from us. Uh, Michaela Mayer and Hamadouche actually produced a brilliant fight. I, I thought that was great to watch. It's great to watch back on, and it shows that the quality that people sometimes dismiss of the female fighters is yep. it's clear it's clearly improving it's clearly getting better uh and these are very skilled individuals I'm, I'm not being funny but half of these people on social media that would sit and slag a female fighter off i'd love to see them actually get in there and and and, and actually put a <laughs> pair of gloves on and try to box with them and not not these so-called street fighters you know these i'm talking about people getting the gloves on getting in the ring with these these girls and these ladies and actually trying to spar with them because i'm telling you now like you think when you watch it oh these, these are not that great and, and there's a lot of people that say that about female boxing get in the ring with them spar with them see how you feel after that when you've got your, your nose busted or you've got a sore <laughs> ear or whatever it may be a black eye then you might actually start to change your perspective on on how these fights are we're, we're spoiled with with male fights we're spoiled with all the years of a male dominated sport and because women are starting to come into it now and it's start they're starting to be promoted on bigger shows and even headlining shows i think you're starting to see that there are some really talented women out there in the sport and they're doing a lot for the sport because they're bringing a lot of younger girls into it and it's giving them discipline and it's making them feel like they can actually go in there and train and and, and train alongside lads and and men and and that's what's great about it it, pres- it preserves the sport it makes the sport live on in a different way so yeah Michaela Mayer Hamadouche my fight of the year but McCaskill just touching on that absolutely I mean she has done an amazing job losing to Katie Taylor a couple of years ago and coming back and beating yep. the undefeated Brackhouse who had held all the titles for many, many years, and then to repeat the feat again just goes to show you that, you know, she was always a very talented fighter, and she just came up short against Katie Taylor on the night that she fought her. Simple as that, and it just goes to show you that sometimes 
these fighters can go in there, have a bad night at the office, come back and be 10 times the fighter they were before. And that was another example of it in 2021. So that's the female category. We'll go to the male category now, because there's many fights in the male category that many people might say, oh, well, this should have been the fight of the year and that should have been the fight of the year. But these are the select few that we felt were the the best fights of the year and then at the end we'll again we'll give our we'll give our award to who we think or who you think johnson and who i think are, are the, the worthy winner of the uh the global fight of the year for the male category so at the top of the list uh he's in no particular order at the top of the list is tyson fury knocking out deontay wilder in 11 rounds the rescheduled fight that finally happened the third fight that maybe we didn't really want to happen but I suppose I'm glad it did because it was a really definitive fight for both of their legacies in, in one way, shape or form. Excellent heavyweight fight. Plenty of knockdowns. Wilder gets dropped in rounds 3, 10 and 11. Fury down twice in round 4. And it was one of the great fights of the modern era. People say, well, well it wasn't that great. It was just quite sloppy. It was exciting. It's exciting. Very exciting fight when it come down to it. Yeah, okay, the skill kind of went out of the window a little bit halfway through the fight. But in terms of the the heart and determination from both of them men in that fight, unquestionable. You cannot question the heart and desire both of them men had to try and win in that fight. Absolutely fantastic fight. Really enjoyed it. Just touching on that one before we move on, Johnston. Yeah. How how Looking back on it now, how do you reflect on how that now sits in 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 the depths of history i think it's a, a modern classic um it's up there with klitsko and joshua um there's no doubt about it i think i think klitsko joshua probably just was a little bit more technically better but that's because deontay wild was in the ring um tyson fury um put a dominant display in in that second fight and we sort of felt that deontay wilder didn't even deserve the chance um but he he was adamant and he and he decided he wanted to go out on his shield which is i think that's pretty much what he wanted to do and that's what he did um you know it, it is it's, it was just thoroughly entertaining it, there's no doubt about it anyone that says that it isn't then um they just don't like these two fighters i think that's the only only thing you can say about that i'm look, i'm not a wilder fan I'm, I'm obviously going to follow Fury, uh, but you know that that it doesn't matter who the guys are if they produce the goods on the night and it's entertaining. That's what it is, isn't it? It's an entertaining sport. We all love to see skill. We all love to see, you know, fantastic footwork and 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 all that. You know, all, all the whole package with with a, a great fight. Um, you know, you can't always get that, but Fury Wilder is going to go down as one of the modern greats of, of the heavyweight division, 100%. Um, you know, you just think in the last 10 years, you, you know, other than Joshua and um, Kalitsko, you know, what other two heavyweight fights are there that could possibly compete in the last 10 years? I don't think you can really pull many out of your hat. Um, and that just shows you, that, you know, the heavyweight game is still there. It's just if they fight each other, this is the fireworks we get. So an excellent fight, great viewing. Uh, as you say, probably not technically the best, but great grit and determination from both fighters. Um, Tyson, for me, was always in control, even though he got floored in twice in that fourth round. But for me, it was a bit of a beat down, and it was it was just wild. A manager to survive on his feet, and he couldn't quite do that. In the end, he gets uh, devastatingly knocked out in the 11th. But a great, fun fight to watch. So Jamel Charlo and Brian Castano fighting to a split draw for the WBC, WBA, IBF Tremendous and WBO fight. Super Welterweight titles. 
Uh, well, the fight to be the first undisputed 154 pound champion in the four belt era, and what a great fight it was. Charlo and Castano hurt each other early, and Castano appeared to build this good lead, and then the fight peaked in the 10th when Charlo came back and he hurt Castano, who then wobbled around the ring. But he never went down, but he just kind of held on and survived until the end of the fight. Now, the scorecard, Nelson Vasquez's scorecard was horrendous. <laughs> one one seven to one eleven in favour of Charlo was probably one of the worst scorecards of the year. And I'm not going to dwell too much on bad scorecards because we know it happens all the time. But that that was one of the most piss poor scorecards of the year. That I mean, how how he had how he had Charlo six rounds up is is still beyond belief. But you know these two guys actually absolutely went at it, and I think it was a brilliant fight. And the 154 pound division doesn't really get a lot of attention because of all the other divisions around it. The divisions above it, the divisions below it. This division doesn't really, it doesn't really light the fire under people when it comes down to the sport. But they've got a lot of talented fighters in it, so you you know you want to see these guys do well. And that was a great fight. That was a good showcase to what that division is all about when the great fights get made. So there was another fantastic fight of the year. One Francisco Estrada winning a split decision over Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez for the WBC and WBA Super Flyweight titles was another action-packed fight. That could have gone either way. And guess what? We get another rematch for it as well. That Brilliant. was considered another fight of the year. I want. I've got to be. I've got to be honest. There's one fight here on the list that surprised me a lot that I didn't think would be a, a fight of the year contender, and one that I'd be thinking about presenting an award to, and that was Terence Crawford and Sean Porter. I honestly didn't think when this fight was made that you know this will be a potential fight of the year, and I know that might be a bit of an oversight on my part. Like styles do make fights, of course they do. But I just thought Terence Crawford would, would easily play with Sean Porter, and I thought Sean Porter would put on a valiant display, and, you know, um, it, 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 that'd be it. But he actually, he actually did really well in this fight. I felt he did really, really well in the fight, a lot more than what I felt people were giving him credit for. You know, like, he, 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 yes, he okay, he goes down twice in round 10, and, you know, he does get stopped, and he loses the fight, but he fought so courageously, and... The thing with him is that we knew he was at the back end of his career and ultimately he retires after this fight. But I didn't think that he would put on such a performance. He literally was the epitome of going out on his shield. He went out on his shield and he retired after the fight. Like, that was it. He was done. He put everything into it. It wasn't good enough. And he just said, right, that's it, I'm done. That's it, boxing, bo- done with boxing. And he made the right decision to retire. But what, what a great fight it was. What a great performance from Sean. And I think you're right. I think he deep down inside of him, he probably felt that this was going to be his last fight. And uh, he got himself in terrific shape. And he entered the ring against Terence Crawford, one of the pound-for-pound best. And he put it on him. And he had a go. And that's what we love to see. We love to see fighters have a go. And he certainly did that. And, you know, Terence Crawford dealt with it. He dealt with it well. Um, at times, you know, he's, he's so awkward, Sean Porter. He's not an easy fighter at all he's not an easy opponent because he, he just he, his style is all crazy and all over the place at times but he is just you 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 know what you're going to get with him and you think i know what i'm gonna as a fighter it must be so difficult because you know you know you fight sean paul you know he's going to come forward you know he's going to be awkward at times but 
you think, yeah, you know, there's there's plenty of sparring guys out there that you can spar with and you can adjust and and, and you can just pop him off with your jab. And as you say, sort of deep down, you think Terence Crawford has got all that great skill. He's just going to outwork him and stop him early. And it didn't work out that way. It went a lot longer than many people felt uh, or thought was going to go. And, and and it just shows you that, you know, sometimes you can look at a fighter and think, yeah, I can deal with him. But actually, when you get in the ring with him, there are bloody work. And Sean Paul was certainly that. And he's always courageous in every single fight he ever fought. Always great to watch and, and it, always exciting. And it's, it's a shame that we lose him from the division. But yeah, I completely understand. It's now time for him to retire. He openly said, I thought all the best there was out there. Who else is there for me to fight? No one. So I'm going to retire. And um, absolute credit to the sport. I, you know, I have to say, Sean Paul, I've seen several of his fights and I've, I've always enjoyed them. And, uh, you know, I knew what I was going to get with Sean. So I always knew I was going to watch him. Um, and that's that's sometimes is that's more than enough than just winning several titles. So credit to him. But yeah, just jumping just before we move on again is Estrada and Gonzalez. I mean, that was so close. I thought Roman won that fight. I really did. I thought that he just edged it, but Estrada got it. Um, look, I'm glad they're doing it again. And I, you know, I can't wait for it because that was all action packed. Could have gone either way, as you said. And um, yeah, just what a great fight that was. I really enjoyed that. Well, there's one fight on the list that people might not be wholly familiar with and the reason for it is because it's not uh, it's not considered a marquee fight and I think that's what people expect when you see awards they think of marquee fights it's not all about that it's about you know identifying fights that are absolutely barn burning fights that deserve to be up there as fights of the year now Brandon Glanton winning a split split decision over Efitoba Apache, which was an untitled fighter cruiserweight in Minneapolis, was one that fit the bill. It was a back-and-forth thriller. The ropes actually saved Apache from going down in the sixth, but he was rightly counted. And then they went to war in the tenth and final round with both men having their moments throughout the fight. I mean, these are names that are probably not jumping out to people, unless you're a hardcore boxing fan. Of course, if you're watching all the fights and all the undercards, you'll know what this fight was all about, and you'll have remembered it. But if you haven't, then I suggest that you go and watch it on YouTube before you make an ultimate decision as to whether we've gifted uh, an award to the right person. Because you know we we've got our we've got our award ready to go, and we're going to tell you who that's going to go to after we've discussed the final fight on the list. But this is a fight that I think deserves to be in there against all these all these names that we've mentioned, all these big names, all these big fights that, that have happened, because it was a great fight and it was definitely worthy of of being a fight of the year contender. And the final one, the final one was probably a fight that nobody expected to go the way it went. And I wouldn't say it was so much of an upset, as, as, as so to speak, but I think more people expected this to be uh, a, li- a little bit different than what it was. And this was when George Cambosas Jr. won a 12-round split decision over Tiafimo Lopez. And he won all the belts, WBA, WBO and IBF title which were on the line at Madison Square Garden. Now, as you rightly pointed out, Tiafimo Lopez, Lamachenko, they had that fight. Tiafimo wins the belts from him in a shock upset. Tiafimo comes back and you're thinking to yourself, this guy is the new star of the division. He's one of the new stars of boxing. And he comes in against George Cambosis Jr., who had beaten Lee Selby previously to get his opportunity for a title shot. And he comes in and he beats Tiafimo Lopez. And he beats him pretty convincingly as well. And I felt like Tiafimo Lopez just wasn't there that night. It was like the Tiafimo Lopez we saw against Lomachenko, that wasn't him. He had a very bad night at the office. 
people are suggesting that he wasn't prepared very well. There was obviously this issue with a potential life-threatening uh, illness slash injury that was happening within his respiratory system that we didn't know about. And then there's conspiracy theories going around about him being punched uh, by the mountain from Game of Thrones. You know, that big punch he takes on social media, people are saying, well, this is what's caused this problem. Going back to that particular fight, Cambosis Jr., Tiafimo Lopez, a big fight of the year, but a decision which people didn't think was going to go that way. No, they didn't. And uh, Cambosis, I mean, look, he got the early knockdown. um, And and Lopez was, as you say, he was clearly um, not the same Lopez that had fought Lomachenko last year. You know, is what, six to one underdog. You know, he's dropped Lopez in the opening round, you know, and then has to come off the floor himself in the 10th round. But it looks like Cambosis took that early stages of the fight and then Lopez does slightly start to come back for me. And um, and then in the end, um, you're sort of thinking when I watched the fight back, I didn't watch it that weekend, actually. I probably watched it a, a couple of weeks after it, in fact, because uh, we were sort of doing other stuff. But... I have to admit that when, uh, you know, sort of, I, obviously I knew what the result was, but just knowing that when, when they're sort of, they're standing in the ring, you, you sort of get that sense. I mean, I, as I said, I didn't watch it at the time. So uh, and from what I've read, you get that sense that um, it looked like it was going to go Lopez. It was going to go to Lopez. And, and then and, uh, you can see from Cambosis' reaction that I think he sort of felt it might go, go against him. But Thankfully, it, we got the right decision on the night and he deserved the victory. He got the split decision and, and he deserves to hold all the titles. And whether they, again, I mean, I, I've not really looked into what Lopez's excuses were. Has he actually, did he actually say himself that these were the problems or has this come through the grapevine? I'm not quite sure, but um, I, I don't like to hear that sort of stuff coming f- from a fighter uh, within camp. If it, if it comes from himself or even within his camp, these little leaks that apparently happen about things that didn't go right in camp. Um, if that's the case, don't don't, don't take the fight. Um, you know, for me, Camos is one fight. Um, I'm sure there will be a rematch. If there wasn't a rematch clause on in line, I'll, I'll be very shocked. But I'll surprise, I'll, I'll, I'll assume Lopez would be back and potentially win the rematch. But then, you know, Camos, is, he may have his number. Who knows? But a great, it was a good fight. I think it was a good fight because of the way it ended as well. The way it started, you're sort of like, whoa, but um, a great performance from Gamos. He deserved it. But just, just jumping to Glanton and, and Apache. I mean, Glanton was an ex-NFL player, um, but he's a bit, he was a massive guy. He's like 300 pounder, I think he was. He was like a um, a defensive back or something from, from the NFL. Uh, maybe not the NFL, but like a college player, maybe. I'm not quite sure. But um, yeah, he got right, got himself right down into great shape, followed his dreams to be a boxer, goes into the cruiserweight division, uh, fights Apache, who's a, a big, uh, Nigerian, uh, very articulate and clever as well, mind you. I think he got a degree in something. But these guys undefeated went into the ring and they had a barnstormer of a fight. And uh, yeah, Glanton's one to look out for because he's very, very fun to watch. He throws punches and he means them. <laughs> so it's always it's always lovely to see that. You know, cruiserweight, light heavyweight, heavyweight. You know, you know you're going to get knockouts. Uh, Glanton will have a few. He's going to cause problems for certain people, for a few people in that division. And I tell you what, Glanton against Lawrence Akali would be a great fight. But, you know, that's for another show. So, honourable mentions for this category before we go on to our winner. Uh, Roger Gutierrez and Rene Alvarado was an absolutely barn-burning fight. And then we've got Masamichi Yakubi against Ken Shiro Taraji in 10 rounds for the WBC lightweight flyweight, ti- light flyweight title in Kyoto, Japan. 
Stephen Fulton Jr. winning a majority decision over Brandon Figueroa. And then we have Jaime Munguia winning a 12-round unanimous decision against Gabriel Rosado. All brilliant fights in their own right, but didn't quite make our sort of main category for this particular award. So there's only one thing left to do, and that's to discuss who we're giving the award to. So I'm going to let you go first again, Johnston. I'm going to let you tell us and tell the listener who is the man who, or who, which fight wins the global male fight of the year? Oh, Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder. I think, um, although Charlo and Castano was a very good fight, and that was a close second, and Estrada and Gonzalez as well, I really enjoyed both them two fights. But for me, Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder, just for the pure excitement, for the fact that, um, to be honest, I thought that Tyson Fury would probably end it within, well, I think, five to six rounds and it would be all over. And then for him to get floored twice in the fourth and and have that that feeling of, oh dear, oh dear, could it all go wrong for Tyson Fury as it had done for Joshua against Usyk? Uh, is he going to get knocked out? And then Wilder's going to be back in, back in line again and be the WBC and the ring heavyweight champion. And, and are we going to have a fourth fight? And... It's sort of all that's racing through your head as Tyson Fury gets himself, dusts himself off and gets himself back onto his feet and then goes on to knock him out in that 11th round. And and I must say, like, what a tremendous finish it was from Tyson Fury. Again, great powers of recovery, as we always say with Fury. Um, I, it does make me wonder as well. Watch, I've watched it a couple of times and I do wonder if, has Deontay Wilder lost some of that power that he once had? I do wonder. Um, I'm not saying that I mean, he's knocked Tyson Fury down twice in the fourth. But, you know, maybe three years ago, if he had hit Tyson Fury with that in the fourth, it would have been complete lights out. Um, so it's just just an intriguing thought in my head. But absolutely, fight of the year. Their third fight was the best of them all. Yeah, I agree. Third fight was the best of them all. And it is my fight of the year as well. Because I think it was just entertaining. It, was just, it had everything it needed to have. Okay, it didn't always have the skill element of it. It did at the beginning. But as the rounds went on, it was more about heart, desire, determination, the will to want to win. Both of them got up from, from knockdowns. And the fact that they were able to do it and produce a an 11-round war was, was testament to what these guys are all about and, and the heart and the desire that they have for the sport. And I know we've slagged Wilder off ourselves and I know we've talked about you know, his, his, his lack of apparent boxing skill. But for me, the fact that he was able to go on and, and, and go 11 rounds with Fury after knocking him down himself twice and then getting knocked down earlier on in the fight himself and come back and, and still put all that effort in towards the end and going out on his shield literally... I think that was a testament to him. You know, I've, I've gained respect for him. Not that I didn't have any. I just felt like, you know, sometimes he said things and did things that I think were just, there was no need for. And I kind of lost a little bit of respect for him. But I think he's shown yep. and he's proved that he's got all this heart and desire. And I think nobody can question that anymore. You could question his power. You could question that. But you could, could you question his footwork? Yeah, you could question his boxing ability, but you can never question this guy's heart. This guy had it in abundance, and he's shown that in that particular fight. And I was really happy to see Tyson Fury come out of there, get the win, and have another defining fight on his record now. And, you know, hopefully we go on to see these mega fights in, in 2022, and we get to see Tyson Fury finally get the opportunity to prove whether he is the best heavyweight of this era or not. Ah, it was a great fight, great award. Uh, it's it's always my favourite award, the fight of the year, because there's always so Same. many great fights 
there's always so many of them that we really thoroughly enjoy and and this one for me was it had to be we had to we had to talk about that particular one because it's for me it just kind of it led everything hands down and and that's global fight of the year male and female categories so we'll come back to the uk now and we'll do british awards and we'll do the british fight of the year and we've got three fights in the female category that we've selected and there were more fights but we've gone for these three in particular we've gone for chantal cameron winning a 12 round a 10 round unanimous decision over mary mcgee shannon courtney's fight with ebony bridges and then katie taylor's fight with natasha jonas now obviously because of the depth of the divisions that we mentioned earlier, these two fights have come up in the Global Awards. They've got to be here for British Fight of the Year because they're involving fighters that are Brits. So, for me, there's not a lot to choose from because there isn't a great depth of, of female fights going on. But these were the three fights that we selected. Johnston, what do you, which would you pick now as your female British Fight of the Year? Yeah, I think I mean Katie Taylor and Natasha Jonas was uh, was the one sort of next in line for the global. When obviously you know they're you know they're both British, British and Irish uh, fighters. Uh, it, 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 we could have just stuck them in the global and had a global, but you know let's give Katie Taylor and Natasha Jonas an award because they deserve it after the fight they the performance they both put on, and and Tasha especially uh, because of the fact that she was pretty much written off by a lot of people, and then to come back and produce that. Uh, it was one of the, it was the fights. I think it was pretty much. I think it was the fight of the weekend. You know, my mind escapes me. I can't recall as such if there what other fight was on, but that was the one I remember stealing the show for me, and and it's continued to do so. Uh, I mean, Sh- Shannon Courtney again. Erin Rogers. We've just mentioned that, but Chantel Cameron as well, and Mary McGee was a good fight. It was a good fight, um, but as you say, the, de- the depth isn't there. Um, I'm sure the listeners may have another fight they can throw at throw at us uh is it better than katie taylor and jonas i don't think so but maybe prove me wrong i'd love to be proven wrong um but yeah for me there's no doubt i mean it was close to winning the global it didn't win it but this is they deserve an award for their achievement and you know for for pro just producing a great performance on the night and you know you can't that the female boxing has improved i was pretty much a novice uh and, and i feel like now i i now know a lot of these female girl the, the, the female fighters around at the moment um and you know we've got quite a few of them ourselves but yeah katie taylor to jonas i mean i'm done about you Sean, but I, I can't really look look past that no i think i think it's because of the the pedigree that they both have coming from yep. the olympics and i think that's what i was shines the other two fights Santa Cameron's got absolute talent and she will go on to, to to make more history herself but she's really only just beginning her reign isn't she whereas Katie mm-hmm. Taylor I think you'd like to think he's coming towards uh, the end of her career you know she's probably got a couple of major fights left in her career before she calls it a day same with Jonas she might only have one or two left now you know at the ages that they're at I think maybe that's that's kind of where we're going but in terms of the quality of the skill of this fight we talked about it at the top of the show and we mentioned the global female fight of the year you know people slate the skill levels of, of female fighters this was a fight with with skill and ability and heart and desire in it all rolled into this particular fight and you could see the pedigree of both of these fighters of where they've come from compare that with shannon courtney and ebony bridges in terms of skill level and ability and you've got a different fight the, them mm-hmm. two them two ladies put on a great fight but it wasn't all about skill and ability in that fight it was more heart and desire and you could see it started to get sloppy and it, it seemed a bit amateurish 
and these two girls had not had many fights. And Shannon Courtney's not come from an Olympic background like Katie Taylor and Natasha Jonas has. And Ebony Bridges has really seemingly come from absolutely nowhere and created this following uh, and created this social media hype around her. And she's got herself into a position where she's on these shows now and people are, are looking at her and saying, oh, well, actually, she can put up a good scrap and, you know, she, she is worth following and she does a lot of engagement with a lot of the UK fans and I think that's why people have taken to her, not mentioning the obvious reasons why people have taken to her, of course, but she, she's made a name for herself in, in, in different ways. Katie Taylor and Natasha Jonas deserves to be the British Fighter of the Year because it was a skill... Uh, a skill, ability, heart, determination. It had everything it needed to have for a fight to be defined as a fight of the year for me. And that's why I would also agree. So we'll move on to the male category then. We've got a few good fights on this list and a few more of the smaller hall show fights that I think do get missed off of a lot of the award shows that many boxing podcasts do because they kind of look to go towards the, the bigger marquee fights. So the first fight of the category then is Gavin Gwynn and Sean McComb on an MTK show. I think that was a great fight. I think we've seen Gavin Quinn, and he's an absolute brilliant fighter. He's, he's a warrior. He's a guy that just likes to get in the pocket and sit on your chest. And he had a great fight with Sean McComb, and he beat Sean McComb in seven rounds, and he proved that, you know, although he, he, he'd been stopped by James Tennyson previously, he'd come back and he'd beat McComb, who was a prospect and a guy who was tip to go on to bigger things himself and for Gwyn to come down and stop him in seven rounds was a statement of intent of to where his career is going to go and it was just a great fight in general another fight is Dan Morley who took on Lewis Isaacs and beat him over eight rounds on points and it's a brilliant fight that I said epitomizes the small hall fights that just are very entertaining and they get missed because they don't get put on major shows they get put on the promotions youtube channel someone does film it and it goes up on youtube but people don't get this opportunity you know if this was on a warren or a hearn card there would have been a lot more hype around it if this would have been like you know on one of eddie hearn shows or frank warren's major shows of the year people would have been looking at this as a chief support fight it was a brilliant fight isaac's Showed a lot of character, excellent resilience, and he came on strong in the final round. But Dan Morley, who has been on our Wants to Watch show, he was just a better fighter on the night, and he deserved the win, and it was nice to see him get the win, and it was nice to see him get more recognition for the, the fights that he's been involved with. So that was a, a brilliant fight, and it does deserve to be mentioned in the Fight of the Year category. Ted Cheeseman stopping James Metcalf in 11 rounds was a brilliant fight. Any fight with Ted Cheeseman in it is usually a brilliant <laughs> fight. Let's be honest. We know we know he likes to block a lot of punches with his face at times, but that's what makes it exciting. That's what makes him exciting as a fighter. You just never know what you are going to get, whether you're going to get the Ted Cheeseman that'll turn up and grind somebody down or whether you're going to get the Ted Cheeseman that'll just be completely outboxed. On this night, he stopped James Metcalf in 11 rounds in an absolutely brilliant fight. And then one of his former opponents, Sam Eggington, had a brilliant fight with Bilal Jitku in Coventry. And that was a Channel 5 show in the UK. Yeah. It was a great show. It was a great little fight. And I think Sam Eggington is another fighter like Ted Cheeseman who is always in great fights. He's, he's never really in dull ones. And I think that's what makes it entertaining to, to watch. Troy Williamson knocking out Ted Cheeseman in 10 rounds. For the British Boxing Border Control Super Welterweight title in Liverpool. 
was probably one of the best fights of the year. That was a brilliant fight. Ted Cheeseman again makes a list twice because he was in yet another exciting fight. I really thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed this particular fight. I thought Troy Williamson, it was his time to come of age. And at moments in the fight, I thought maybe he wasn't as good as what I thought he was. But he proved a lot of people wrong and shown people that he also had the same heart and desire as Ted Cheeseman. And he battled in there and he managed to stop Cheeseman where there were moments where he looked like he was going to be stopped himself. And for him to stop Cheeseman and knock out Cheeseman in the fashion that he did, for me was a statement and it was a big statement in that division because there's not many people that can do that to Ted. Ted looks like he's going to be knocked out but he manages to grind on in and then tries to grind the opponent down and manages to go the distance. Nobody does that to Ted and Troy was the first one to do it. So that was an achievement in itself, but then to go on to win the British Super Welterweight title, well, that was just a cherry on the cake. A great fight, a great set of fights for the British Fight of the Year. Yes, there are other fights that could have been mentioned in this category, but these these are our personal preferences. They are, and um, the one thing I would, you know, before we jump on to the Williamson-Cheeseman fight, I mean, is, is Dan Morley. Uh, Louis Isaacs. If if no one's seen the fight, um, I mean it's an eight rounder. It's uh, the camera quality's it's not too bad. Uh, you know, it, to, it, it looks like someone's filmed it from a phone at times, but you know it, it's not bad. It's got a bit of commentary in there as well. Um, it's not a full. I couldn't get the full coverage, but you know you get um, pretty much every round. And uh, what I can say is the atmosphere in the old your call, legendary your call was brilliant and it's one of those ones where you just wish you was there and what a fight a tremendous fight that really was and uh, I hope they do get it on I hope someone one of the big promoters have seen it and gone do you know what this needs to go on a on a bigger card because they would bring the roof off they really would the pair of them um, really impressed with that fight um, Sam Egerton and uh, uh, Bilal Jikitu um, the in Coventry on Channel 5 uh, didn't know nothing didn't know nothing about Jikitu at all, to be honest with you. Um, and I sort of thought that oh, was going to be one of those layups for Egerton. And, and they produced a tear up and half, didn't they? I mean, really pleasantly surprised with that. Sitting indoors, watching out on a, on a was it? I think it was a Saturday night on Channel 5. Um, fantastic viewing. Uh, and Sam, as, as you know, with Ted, always, always produced the goods, no matter what. They'll be on the fight of the year every single year. You know, if they're, if they're on a card, whoever they're fighting, you know, guaranteed an absolute tear up but you know Troy Williamson Ted Cheeseman uh, 10 rounds of absolute blistering action for the British Super World World title um, Troy Williamson as you say at times was he looked like he was gonna he, you know he was he was tiring by hurting Ted literally throwing punches and Ted's sort of just taking him as he does and it looked like he he, he began to tire and then it looked like Cheeseman was gonna finish him off and then Williamson recovers, and you're sort of like going into the sort of the, the championship rounds, as they like to call it. And I'm sort of edging towards Cheeseman, even though he's getting hurt. You know, I'd never seen Williamson um, get as, get hurt and come back. So it was really intriguing. I found it very fascinating. And, you know, I think where reputation always defines a fighter, Ted is one of those where a referee probably give him a bit more time than other fighters because they know his history. You know he's going to keep coming forward, a bit like Sam Egerton. But 
what a horrendous knockout for him to I mean, I've, Williamson catches that. I've, he literally folds onto the floor, poor Ted Cheeseman. But uh, first one to do it and uh, threw himself right in the mix in this division. But tremendous fight and my absolute uh, UK British fight of the year, without doubt. Yeah, I'm not even going to question that. That was my fight of the year. Brilliant fight of the year. I mean, I loved um, I loved Arthur and Yard. I loved that fight for 2021. I thought it was Arthur a great Yard, fight. Yeah. I thought that was a fantastic fight. But I just think this one had everything again that I, I, I desire as a boxing fan. And that was the one that really, really stood out to me for 2021. So now we're going to rattle through our lists. We've got quite a few lists to go through now. And we're not going to elaborate too much on the list because there is so many different lists that we want to go through. We literally are going to go through the different categories. And we're going to go through the contenders in that category. And then we're going to give our awards out and we're going to confirm who, who we think deserves the awards. Johnston's opinion, my opinion. And then we'll move on. And then obviously we've got a pound for pound list at the end of the episode. So going back to global fighter of the year in the female category, the contenders for that were Katie Taylor, Clarissa Shields, Amanda Serrano, Jessica McCaskill, Michaela Mayer, and Alicia Baumgardner. Now, all of them fighters did great things in their own right. They had notable fights throughout the course of the year, but there was only one female that was going to win this. Johnston, who was it for you? I can't, I can't, um, I really tried, I'll be honest with you, I really did, um, because I, like the same thing happened last year, I tried my best to try and find someone beyond Katie Taylor, but it's very difficult, uh, you know, Clarissa Shields is always the next in line for me, uh, when you think about, I mean, Jessica McCaskill as well is for, from her performances against Celia, I think she, she definitely was in contention, Alicia, uh, Bum Gardner um, as well for her fantastic performance against Terry Harper, um, and, and I mean even I mean they're all they all deserve to be on the list. But I just you know Clarissa only fought once, and then she went in over what did she fight in the UFC or MMA whatever she did uh, a couple of times. Um, but Katie Taylor you know went on and she won three fights this year. She obviously had that great fight with, with Natasha Jones. She's defended her undisputed lightweight titles again. Three times. Um, she's my fighter of the year. I just can't look beyond it. For for the fighter of the year, that is my fighter of the year. I don't know about you, mate. Um, I hope... We keep going. We keep agreeing on everything. I'm sort of hoping you might go the other way. Here. Um, I don't know if you will. Um, so, yeah, I, I can't... I just can't look beyond it, honestly. I, I suppose... Uh, yeah, look, I'll be honest. It's just... It's Katie Taylor. It is. She just produces the goods all the time. She does. I think I've gone with Amanda Serrano for this one, uh, not Katie, because Serrano is going to be a future opponent of Katie Taylor's. Hopefully, we're going to get to see them get it on this year. Finally, you know that that'd be an absolute super yes, fight for, for for female boxing. Uh, but Serrano wins it for me. I just feel like she's, you know, you look at what Katie Taylor's done. Yes, yeah, she's got fight of the year with Jonas, but then the opponent she's fought after that for me, you know, they're not they're not as notable for for, for Katie Taylor. I mean, I feel like Katie Taylor now should really only be taking fights that are mega fights for her. I don't, she don't, I don't feel like she needs to take these these mandatory defences um, 
uh, oh, sorry, these voluntary defences. I think she needs to be fighting the mega fights. Whether she has to give up a few of her titles to do that, then so be it. I think it's for me, if I was her in her shoes, I'd want it to be all about the legacy I'm leaving behind now. And, and she's done a lot already. She's left a huge legacy. But to go on to fight the Serranos of the world, maybe even stepping up and going up a division and, and fighting McCaskill in the welterweight division and winning titles there, you know, these are the sorts of things I want to see her do. So for me, Serrano, because of Serrano already had the WBC and WBO titles and she added the IBO title to a collection this year. McCaskill, yeah, she defeated Breakers and, and, and got the undisputed titles retained, but she'd already won them. She'd already achieved that the year before for me. So she didn't do anything different. Michaela Mayer, well, she become a unified super featherweight champion when she defeated Hamadou, so maybe she could deserve it. For me personally, it was Serrano. Uh, there's no more justification than that for me. I felt, I felt Serrano deserved it this year. Uh, maybe people could say otherwise, but you know, this is my opinion, my preference. So we'll move on to the male category, which is probably the most difficult category to do because there are many fighters in there this year that are probably deserving of the award, but only one of them can win it. So in this list, we put Jordanius Ugas, we put Nonito Donaire, Naoa Anue, Stephen Fulton Jr., Terence Crawford, Josh Taylor, Tyson Fury, Sal Canelo Alvarez, and Alexander Usyk. Now that is one hell of a <laughs> tough category, especially... The last five that I've just mentioned, Crawford, Taylor, Fury, Alvarez, and Usyk, between them five guys alone, you know, there's a massive argument for each one of them to be potentially classed as a fighter of the year. It's really hard because you've got Usyk beating Joshua, you've got Fury solidifying his, his trilogy over Deontay Wilder, you've got Alvarez beating Plant, Kayla Plant, and Billy Joe Saunders in the same year, Josh Taylor becoming undisputed champion, Terence Crawford continuing on in his, his reign of terror throughout the welterweight division, but who takes the crown? Who out of all of them would you say is the fighter of the year globally? It is a tough list. Uh, I mean, you guess beating Pacquiao uh, was a great achievement from him, but you know, and we know even it didn't matter with Pacquiao what age he was uh, but inevitably he's going to come a cropper and, but yeah that was a great performance and Anita Donaire just continues to just impress me all the time uh, still fighting still beating under feet fighters still just holding titles and, and, and being around it's, it's just beyond me how he still manages to do it Anoue is always you know a fantastic fighter Fulton Jr's put himself right back at what he's put himself in there, isn't he, as a potential name. I mean, he always was. Um, and the rest are just, they just sort of separate themselves, don't they? Crawford, Taylor, Fury, Canelo and Usyk. Usyk's performance against Joshua was first class. Uh, but I just, for me, um, again, I mean, I don't, I think I went, I may have gone different last year, but this year, I think Sol Canelo Alvarez, mainly because the fact that he's, He's beaten Plant and and he's he's beaten uh, Billy Joe Saunders this year. Uh, he had the other fight between I can't remember the fella's name. It's irrelevant because they're the two fights I remember this year from Canelo and he's fought two of the best in his division. He's beaten them. Um, I mean, I, I, seriously, I think he's just he, he, he is a class act. Um, I'm not quite sure about this light heavyweight fight that's coming up um, and, and he's sort of cherry picking a little bit there. I would like to see him continue this this streak of, you know, on the back end of Callum Smith as well. This is, I don't know, it was last year, 
but you know to have those two fights with Prada Billy Joe Saunders not long after that you know so three really big fights in four is is great performance for me that is just that's activity and that's more activity than most um Usyk has has been active uh, but and obviously had that great fight performance from from for Joshua Tyson Fury had the one victory over Wilder although it was a great fight I don't think that is enough Josh was probably the next closest for me because he'd be he'd become an undisputed champion in his division. Um, but for me, Canelo Alvarez. Well, I'd love to just take a, a Canelo Alvarez because it'd be the easiest pick to go with. But I decided to go with Josh Taylor because I felt Josh uh, being becoming an undisputed champion in the lightweight division was enough for me. It was enough for me to to go up to, to say to him, look, you know, he's he's up at he's up at super lightweight, he's the super lightweight undisputed champion, he's unified that division, he's got all the belts in the modern era, he's beat all the best guys of that division, he's solidified it this year. To me that was enough for him to take that that title of, of fighter of the year globally. It could have been easier to sit here and say, well, Billy Joe Saunders and Kayla Plant victories are are perfect for twenty twenty one and that just goes to show you that, you know, he is not ducking any fighter. And people might say he's cherry-picking fighters, but, you know, he's fighting the best who he can, who's around, that are willing to take the fight with him and fair play to him. If he moves up and has this big major fight at, like, heavyweight with Baturbiev, or even if they go as far as fighting Makabu up at Cruiserweight in some sort of catchweight fight, you know, the guy, for me, is one of the best uh, of this generation. Like, he, he's definitely one of the greatest fighters already. And whatever he does next will just add to his resume, but Josh Taylor takes it for me. 2021 was all about Josh Taylor and him becoming undisputed champion in the super lightweight division. So, British Fighters of the Year, we're going to do that now. We're going to do the female category, we're going to do the male category. So, in the female category, we've got Chantal Cameron, Savannah Marshall, and Hannah Rankin. Now, quite easily, we could have stuck Katie Taylor in there, but we've not done. We've gone for three fighters in the female divisions across Britain, this year that I've gone on to to do quite some good things and out of the three of them who would you suggest would be the winner of that British Fighter of the Year award I've I've, I've been impressed with Chantel Cameron um you know the the uh, victory over Melissa Hernandez uh stopped her in five um had Hernandez down in the fourth um great performance and then the Mary McGee victory as well another good good win for her she's now what the WBC and the IBF I think she picked up the IBF uh beating Mary um so for me uh that that's what tips it for me I mean I'm not disrespecting Savannah Mar- um Savannah Marshall had another good year uh knockouts galore again you know a couple of knockouts this year one in, one in the third round one in the second she only fought five rounds this year <laughs> uh impressive really but you know I'm not Lind, Lindbergh is probably the one I, I, I do remember I recall us having a conversation about um, again you know I haven't watched all these fights in particular but um, yeah I, I would I, for me I've seen that I've seen Chantel more than the other two Hannah Rankin I've seen a couple of times obviously uh, she had those two victories as well this year but um, yeah I, I, I think I think for me Chantel Cameron hey, we could again I could easily go with Chantel Cameron I think what she's done what she's done is, is certainly worthy of being the fighter of the year for me in the female division across across the UK. But I just think it would be a bit easier to to do that. So I've decided this year not to go for Chantal Cameron, not to go for Savannah Marshall, 
but actually to go for Hannah Rankin. And the reason I go for Hannah this year is because like Hannah is you know, she's been she's been in boxing for a good few years now. She's fought the likes of Savannah Marshall. She lost to Marshall. She's lost some of her big fights throughout her career. She's lost against Clarissa Shields. People could say, well, why the hell are you picking her then? Uh, and I'm picking her because she's an, she's an underdog. Nobody expected to come to the end of 2021 and turn around and say, a champion this year is, is Hannah Rankin. Hannah Rankin mm-hmm. wins the vacant WBA super welterweight title against Maria Lindbergh. Now, obviously, I know Lindbergh as, a, as an older lady, an older fighter, but the fact that she's come back from losing to the best fighters around to go on to become a world champion in 2021, I think was a great achievement for her. I think everybody expects Savannah Marshall to, to go on to do more than what she's done, you know, to become a, a unified and undisputed champion. Everybody expects Chantal Cameron to do the same. Nobody expected Hannah Rankin to come out of 2021 with a world title. So that's why I'd pick her uh, as my female fighter of the year in the UK because of uh, because of that. So that's why I've uh, I've gone for her this time round as opposed to Good going. Choice. Yeah, I just I just think rather than oh, it's, that's what it's about. Though, as well, you love that story as well. I, I love the fact that you know when you have someone that's come from defeat and pulled themselves out of that and going wins wins the world title. Tottenham Hotspurs Spurs is great. I mean. You can't, you can't knock that really. Had a ranking, um, yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's a. I mean, I'll go as, I, as I mentioned. I preferred Chantel because of her performances, but in actual fact, when you put it that way. Hannah, um, yeah, she she's done well, isn't she? Really, to come back from that to win world titles, good, good, good on her, mate. Really good performance from her. So the male category, then again, littered with with some great guys across the. Uh, category British fighters of the year then so who we're going to pick this year now we could we could quite easily exclude Taylor and Fury out of this because they are in the the global fighter of the year <laughs> contender so if we take them out of that technically now we've got Lawrence Okolai Troy Williamson Connor Ben Anthony Yard and Liam Smith and, and they're the fighters I'd like to focus on for for British fighter of the year only because you know Taylor undisputed champion I've picked him for global fighter of the year Tyson Fury you know, obviously, it's, it's it's always going to be one fight a year now with Tyson, and you know it's 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 it's, it's legacy defining at this point of his career. But these other guys, Ben Williamson, Nicole Yard, Smith, you know, these are all guys that are that are either world champions or British champions or plodding on in their careers for whatever reason. It's difficult. It's difficult to pick who I would say would be my my fighter of the year. Depending on what you what you look for in a fighter, depending on what you've seen in these fighters over the past twelve months of twenty twenty one, who who would you say would deserve that mantelpiece? Not just based on maybe them winning world titles or defending world titles or winning British titles, but overall as the overall package, who would be your fighter of the year? Well, I mean that for for, for a start, I mean the, the world titles. When we do our wish list show, um, I think there's more world titles now than there ever was. I think they've created another batch of new titles um no idea um lost absolute count it's like a bouncing ball in it you just can't keep up with the amount of world titles that are sitting around at the moment uh Lawrence Cully does have a legitimate one and uh, there is obviously a clear uh it, he he's a potential to, for the fight of the year absolutely because of that performance um Troy Williamson um Love the fact he's won that British title and become the first to to literally get rid of Ted Cheeseman, as as we've already mentioned. No one's done that. Connor Ben, some great performances from Connor, some great knockouts. He's thrown himself right in the mix in the welterweight division, and he's you know he's calling out some big names in in a tough division as well, mind you. 
Anthony Yard um, loved the fact that he came back in, a, in another, you know, it was it wasn't necessarily one of our nominees for a UK fight of the year, but it was a, a great fight nonetheless. And and Anthony Yard, what I enjoyed about that was the way he finished the fight and, and the fact that he came back from defeat um, to to go on and and get the victory and, and win the rematch. Um, and that that alone that that is a good reason for him to also be a nominee. Liam Smith. At the back end of his career, you know, fighting a young gun, uh, comes back uh, and does the performance. You know, Fowler, don't get me wrong, he, um, I, I, I think I, t- I tipped Smith in a way, but um, I still felt that a lot of people f- sort of edged towards Fowler. And I think Liam coming in and, and, and dealing with that adversity and then getting the fight in, in a big Liverpool fight as well um, was a great performance. But for me, if I'm going to pick somebody, um, I probably would go with Connor Ben. I think Connor has probably impressed me the most. Uh, with Anthony Yard as a close second, just because of the way he's managed to to turn it around against Arthur. Um, and um, yeah, so against Lyndon Arthur. So I, I really, I, I was very tempted to go with Yard, uh, but I think Connor's two performances in particular have been quite spectacular. So he'd be my fighter of the year. I'm sorry, I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to agree with you again here. I'm going to have to agree. It's got to be Conor Ben for me, and and, and Conor Ben's got. To, he's, he's for me, head and shoulders. He stands above the rest of them, and the reason he stands above the rest of them is because in the space of 2021, he knocked out Samuel Vargas. He, he stopped Chris Algieri in, in in what was an absolute brilliant knockout of of, wow. of a guy who has shared the ring with some of the best fighters of the welterweight division and he also beat Adrian Granados and obviously Granados might not be considered to be anything special he had eight losses on his record he was still a tough fighter still a tough fight for him he got a UD over him but the two knockouts in particular the quick knockout over Vargas and the stoppage against Algeria for me were were very important to his career because people are talking about you know how how is he going to get on when he steps up well he's done it he's stepped up yeah these guys are not what they once were they're not completely shot. They are they are coming to their ends of the careers, but it just goes to show you that he can hang it with talented fighters. So for me, he definitely wins British Fighter of the Year for me because of the fact that he's, he's clearly shown some massive improvements and he's had some big victories and he's put himself well in good position next year to potentially fight Amir Khan or Kel Brook, the winner of that particular fight. So that, for me, that, that that's big for him. That's, that's putting him on that... That, that, that path to, to potential superstardom, if he goes in and beats one of them two guys, one of them two names in Khan and Brook, yeah, okay, people are going to say they washed up, they finished, whatever, but at the end of the day, they are still big names on his record, they are still preparing him for what's to come. You think of these fighters that have done it over the years, Ricky Hatton always springs out in my mind because I remember yeah. the fights with, with Vince Phillips and I remember the fights with the likes of Ben Taki and uh, Brian McGee. And, and, and these were the fights that put him in good stead for his ultimate fight with Costa Zoo. And without them fights, he wouldn't have been prepared. I think these are the fights that Conor Ben's having. And this is why I've picked him as my British fighter of the year because they're putting him in the right positions and they're making him go down the right path. And I think eventually he will get these big fights and then we'll really get to see if he is the real deal. That's when we'll get to see it. Has he been spoon-fed everything? Maybe. Has he been given everything on a plate? Maybe. 
But he's shown these massive improvements and that's what matters. And that's what I think is putting him in this position where I think he will be in some more exciting fights and uh, potential fights, just like his father. Like his father before him, I think he's gonna he's gonna be an exciting fighter for another good four or five years, and maybe more to come. And I think that's what's exciting. But this year alone, twenty twenty one, is is proven the improvements are massive. So that's why I've picked him. So we'll move on, move on to the next one. Then knockout of the year, both female and male categories. And for the female categories, we've got Alicia Baumgardner KOing Terry Harper, literally stopping her on her feet. It was a bit of a crazy <laughs> KO. A bad one, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, Amanda Serrano God. against Daniela Romina Bermudez, uh, Cecilia Estrada against Maria Machio Santizo, and then Sandy Ryan KOing Alexandra Vujovic. I'd like to know who your KO of the year is. I think I'm, I think I've already put the writing on the wall for that one. <laughs> yeah. um, Alicia Bumbergardner. Um, she, um, I, I can't even explain that knockout. Poor Terry Harper. Um, it was a bit of, it was a shock. I mean, no one expected her to get stopped in that manner. Um, and what a fantastic punch it was. I, I believe it was the right hand, um, and it literally stopped Terry in her tracks. She almost become like a statue frozen. She just didn't know where she was, but she didn't go down. She just sort of stood there, didn't she? And you can see she, the referee rightly sort of called it off. Show. She was stunned. I think that's probably the best way. Of, it's like a whiplash almost. Um, and she just literally couldn't move on her feet. Um, it truly was a, a, one of the best knockouts I've seen this year in general. In a way, um, you know, you don't always need to see the person fall on the deck, but, that for me is uh, the knockout of the year. Absolutely, um, you know the others, great contenders. Um, Serrano's uh, a good contender there, but um, for me, I would I would go with Alicia Bumbergardner. That was mine as well. I'm not. There's no arguments here with that one. No. Out, out of the selection that we've got, that we've put together, there's no there's no questions asked there because that is certainly one of the most strangest, scariest. Uh, and and fascinating stoppages, yeah, fasc- it's fascinating. Like to see, see, it's very scary. Like I said, though, at the same time. Uh, but the male, they've got a lot more, obviously, in in the male category. Uh, we've got Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder, Troy Williamson, Ted Cheeseman, Gabriel Rosado versus Bektimir Melikuzev. We've got Effie Jagber and Brian Howard, Anthony Durrell, Marcos Hernandez, Brandon Lee and Sam Tia, Oscar Valdez, KO in Miguel Bachelt. Joshua Barazzi versus Daniel DeSantez, Callum Smith's scary KO of Lenin Castillo, Conor Ben's KO of Chris Algeria that we mentioned, and Kiko Martinez against Kid Galahad, a bit of a shock of the year. And also it was voted on Twitter on the BTR Boxing Podcast page as Twitter's Boxing Knockout of the Year out of the selections and the polls that we put out on there. So who do you pick, Johnston, out of all them? There's quite a few major KOs on that list. Yeah, do you know what? Nuneo Denier got a little bit overlooked, but what a beautiful body punch. Uh, right under the rib cage, uh, Gabala just went straight down. Absolutely devastating knockout. I um, love Denier, though. I'm a huge fan. Uh, Fury's knockout, Wilder. Big, big punch that was. I mean, Wilder was out on his feet by then. Mentioned Williams, Cheeseman. Rosado's, oh, beautiful, beautiful shot that against uh, Malakiev. Uh, literally... Just collapsed on the floor. Same as a Jagba's knockout of Howard. Howard folded. Literally, you see him just fold over and land on the canvas. Uh, Darrell, beautiful uppercut. Lee and Tay, uh, again, lovely knockout. Uh, Buatzi, uh, 
again, lovely finish. He's so destructive, Bratz. He's one of my favourites. When he gets a fighter in danger, um, he's got a way of getting rid of him. Callum, very scary, when it with Castillo and his legs started shaking. Ben, wonderful timing. Gets rid of Algeri. Uh, and uh, Kiko Martinez, as voted by the uh, Twitter BTR boxing feed. Look, um, you can't really argue with that. I mean, the Kiko Martinez, Kid Galahad, was uh, sensational. The fact he put down Kid Galahad early, um, gets back up, literally right at the end of that round, gets back up and sends him out to just um, land one again. <laughs> Highlight real knockout that. But for me, I, I think Oscar Valdez is knockout against Miguel Burchell because the, the significance of the fight, two Mexicans... Um, I, no one expected it. I certainly did not expect Valdez to knock out Burchell. I just, just didn't. It just wasn't even, didn't even enter my mind. I thought if they'll go to war for 12 rounds and then someone will get a decision. Um, I couldn't see either getting knocked out, to be honest with you. I, I was so wrong. Um, and it was just, it, the way he evaded the two punches before that, um, just ducked under him and then landed his own. Burchett was wide open, all from his wonderful footwork, great head movement, and then to land the, the killer blow um, is just superb to watch. It really is, in, in a sick way, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Um, but yeah, that for me was a stunning knockout and my knockout of the year. Well, mine had to be Callum Smith's over Lenin Castillo, and it might it might feel like it's a bit sick to even say that, but it was a very scary <laughs> knockout. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, it was. It was a scary knockout. It, was, oh, it really was. I, I, that 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 knockout is probably going to be one of them that's forever ingrained in my mind. Uh, that that was very scary, and I'm glad Lenin Castillo was absolutely fine afterwards. But it was a perfectly placed shot from Callum Smith, and it was good to see him back after his loss to Alvarez. And yeah, okay, people say it was a walkover fight, his first fight at light heavyweight. It was just a crazy KO. Crazy KO. Like, I've never seen anything like that ever in boxing. Like, I've seen, obviously, arms moving on the floor. You know, there's that famous one of the arms still being. Yeah, still fighting when they've been knocked out. But that, like, he's literally having a seizure on the floor was was really scary. Uh, But it has to be my KO of the year. I think more for the shock factor of it than anything. Not that I wanted to see him hurt, but just just the shock factor of it, I think, was what got me and what stuck with me. So that's why I picked that one as my KO of the year. So, let's move on. Upset of the year then. There's only two that we've put down for this division <laughs> and the female fighters. And that's, again, depths of the division, marquee fights, marquee names. And we've gone for Jamie Mitchell coming over and beating Shannon Courtney. And we've got Alicia Bamgardner stopping Terry Harper in four rounds to capture that WBC and IBO Super Featherweight titles. So we've only got two to pick from. Which is the more shocking? Uh, I honestly think it's uh, Bamgardner's over Harper. That's my opinion. I think Bam Gardner's over Harper was shocking in the fact that Terry Harper was already the champion. She already held the two belts. Bam Gardner, I knew, was a talented fighter already, but I honestly felt Terry had the the physical advantages to to keep her at bay and, and, and win a comfortable decision. That's what I felt going into the fight. However, seeing the fight, it was a perfectly placed shot, and it stopped her in the tracks quite literally, and that was the end of the fight. And that was it. For me, that was, that was a shock. It was an upset because... I don't think anybody expected it to end that way. Not that they didn't think Bam Gardner was good enough, more so that it ended the way it did. So for me, that wins my upset of the year. What about you, Johnston? I've got to go with a miracle girl, um, Jamie Mitchell. Um, literally wrote her off completely. Um, didn't think she would beat Shannon at all. Um, and um, I know Shannon 
I, she didn't cover herself in any glory. She just didn't perform that night. But you know, you got to give credit to Jamie Mitchell for that. She comes over and uh, she she beats Shannon. I mean, look, I, I literally gave her no chance. I'm not the most um, knowledgeable when it comes to female boxing, but I will say that I am embracing it and I'm starting to enjoy it. And this year, I have much more than the years previously, and I think it will be just as more the next year because um, you know these girls are really producing the goods. And and I was shocked because I, I just assumed Sharon it was going to Shannon. Sorry, keep going Sharon. It's Shannon Courtney. Um, yeah, I, I just didn't give Jamie any chance, um, but she proved me wrong. Um, so I think I did say as well it'd take a miracle to beat her, and she <laughs> I was so wrong. Um, and just for that very reason alone, uh, Jamie Mitchell gets my vote for upset of the year uh, female category. Right, well, the men men's category is quite interesting. We've we've definitely thrown a curveball into this one, and that curveball being Anderson Silva, the Spider from the UFC, at the age <laughs> at the age he's out, and he beats Julio Cesar Chavez in a boxing match. Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. I might add by that he beats Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. in a boxing match. People are probably not surprised because it's Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. You know, the guy's about as dedicated as as. Nobody is he? You know, it's like he's 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 he's, yeah. he's, he's terrible. He's a terrible, terrible professional. But yeah, Anderson Silva goes in there and and, and beats him. Crazy, crazy year. Uh, so we've got Hardenius Ugas beating Manny Pacquiao. We've got Lee Wood stopping Kanzu. Kiko Martinez beating Kid Galahad. Sander Martin beating Mikey Garcia. Mauricio Lara beating Josh Warrington. And George Cambosis Jr. beating Tiafimo Lopez. So I'm going to give my take on this one. And I think my take's going to be probably different from yours this time, Johnston. And my upset of the year for the male category is going to be when Mauricio Lara beat Josh Warrington. And I think it's because everybody had jumped on the Warrington hype train, ourselves included, felt like he would go in there, he would beat Mauricio Lara, his pressure would see him through the fight as it normally did but Mauricio Lara just came with a horseshoe in his gloves or something and he absolutely decimated Josh Warrington didn't he like who expected that to happen I don't think many many people would have expected Mauricio Lara to come over and beat Warrington I think Mauricio Lara was looked at as just another tick over tick over fight for a bigger fight for him oh my god that was an upset for me you know, look at all the upsets of the year. Which one really stands out to me as as huge? That one, that one, because Lara had not really done anything of note in his boxing career to make anybody feel Josh Warrington would be beaten by him. Everybody else on that list, for me, probably is a little bit closer in terms of the skill, the ability, the levels that they're at. This was this was different. There was there was this was like a proper underdog coming over from nowhere from Mexico and beating a guy who was just hyped up to be, you know, a, a potential undisputed champion. That that for me was my upset of the year in the male category. Uh you know, it's it's difficult to argue with that because I mean Lara has literally come out of nowhere, didn't he? Um that is that's 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 the brunt of it all. Um he um, the thing is, is one thing we did say after it was that you know, with these Mexican fighters that have fought on the Mexican circuit, you know, you it's so difficult to judge them, and it, they are so dangerous because it's such a tough field and a tough country to come out of. So you know, although you're right, 
in, there was no reason for him to beat Josh, but they are dangerous at times. And uh, he took a he took a mighty risk, and it and it ended badly. Uh, it really did, and it was a a major upset. I mean, Kiko Martinez though um, comes out. I mean, Kiko is almost like a a Derek Chisora of his weight division, where he uh, just you know what you're going to get with him. The better fighters beat him, but then he'll also have a have a good tear up at times. But you know, and win a few himself. That is what he sort of became, almost like a, you almost becoming a journeyman. And um, to then to beat Kid Galahad and the fashion, the way he did it as well, was was brilliant. I mean, you, it's it's just a fantastic performance. It really is. Um, Sander Martin, who had a fault that Sander Martin would beat Mike Garcia. I certainly didn't, but. I mean, I'm going to go with the obvious choice, and it's George Cambosis Jr. beating Teofino Lopez because I just felt that Teofino, you know, after beating Lamanchenko, he is the takeover, as he called himself. Um, and I bought into it a little bit, especially with his knockout of Richard Comney as well. And so I sort of felt that Lopez is, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a banker for me. I mean, if I'd have put money on it, I would have stuck a tenner on it and felt comfortable that that one's coming in. Like, if you're doing your accumulators that weekend, you're thinking, yeah, Tia, for the Camboda's, yeah, easy, all day long. And then I was shocked, to, you know, to, to hear that he got, <laughs> that Lopez lost. Um, I mean, look, when you look at Camboda's career, you're right, I mean, he, he beat Lee Selby, and Lee Selby is a terrific fighter on his day. Um, so, you know, he, he, he's quite, you know, Lee Selby, I've seen Lee Selby live, I've, you know, I've seen him on television, and and he's he's a he's a great fighter. You know, on his day, Lee Selby's technically one of the best fighters around at times. Um, you know, in spells, not for twelve rand, but and then when when Cambosis beat him, you sort of think, oh, but then you know, Lee's on the decline, you know. And then when you see him then go and beat Lopez, you're sort of thinking, wow, okay, then uh, this dude is the business. But you know, look, I think that is that's that shocked me. It really did, and the fact that. Cambosis only fought the last fight he had was in October 2020 to then fight over a year later. You know, so that's 13 months later to fight Lopez and then to beat him. I think that is why he gets it for me. Uh, come out of nowhere. Um, who knows if they have, if they do have the rematch, if it if it ends up the same way again. But that is my upset of the year because it just it literally shocked me. I couldn't believe it. Trainer of the year then into the next category that we're going in for the awards, and we've got Anatoly Lomachenko. Ben Davison, Shane McGuigan, Sugar Hill Stewart, and Eddie Renoso. So this is going to be an interesting one as to see who you pick, Johnston. But I'm going to quickly give you my thought on who I think should take this for, for our awards this year. And I'm going to go with the obvious choice of Eddie Renoso. I think with his stable of Canelo Alvarez, Ryan Garcia, Andy Ruiz, and Oscar Valdez, I think he's got some absolutely brilliant fighters in there. Canelo being obviously the, the, the cherry on the cake. Ryan Garcia, obviously we know what he's been doing throughout his boxing career. He's a bit in and out at the moment, of course. Andy Ruiz is making his way back. Oscar Valdez, obviously we mentioned him a little bit earlier on with his upset victory or his KO victory over Miguel Pichel. I think he's he's certainly building this stable of fighters now of, of, of guys that are going to be looked at in years to come as you know, pioneers of, of this era of the sport. And I think Eddie Reynoso will be regarded in the same way that some of the trainers before him have been regarded. You know, guys that are still around, like Freddie Roach, has been regarded as a legendary trainer for years. Eddie Reynoso's slowly coming into that, that foray of legendary trainer status. 
the more Canelo does, the more Garcia does, and the more Ruiz and Valdez do in their careers, and the more fighters that he gets on board with him, the more likely that he's going to go on to ha- you know achieve this sort of status. So, for me, Eddie Reynoso takes trainer of the year. Yeah, and I, I sort of I can't argue with that. I think Eddie Reynoso, you know, when you look at what Canelo's done this year. Um, and uh, Andy, I mean Andy Reid's come back and uh, got a, a, a victory, didn't he? This year, I can't think we thought now. Um, Oscar Valdez, obviously, with that impressive win. Um, I mean, Sugar Stewart, obviously, um, he's going to be a contention. Shane McGuigan as well, you know, got got Lawrence uh, a world title, which is uh, terrific. Lomachenko's dad, uh, Antaloy, is it Antaloy? Is that how you pronounce it? Um, it look, he, he managed to get his son back to winning ways with a good victory himself. Um, but yeah, Renoso for me is my trainer of the year. Absolutely. All right. Well, this is a big one, isn't it? The promoter of the year. This is the one that makes people argue on social media a lot. So we're going to go promoter of the year. Then let's let's see who we've got on the list. We've put Golden Boy. We've put Queensbury. We've put Matchroom, Top Rank, and Premier Boxing Champions PBC. Who are you going to pick, Johnston? Who who is your promoter or promotional company of the year? Oh, it's a tough one because you know, like PBC have produced some great fights this year. Um, they have, um, yeah. I'm not really. I, I've not, I wouldn't say I, I, I'm been a just sort of discredited them and just put them to one side. But I've just, they have not really produced the cards on a regular basis as they have done this year. Um, so I've been really impressed with them. Um, top rank, um, pretty much the same as last year. Uh, I mean, Matchroom. The, the the fact that he put like Eddie Hearn put so many shows on uh, and he goes across the globe to do it uh, you know he, he's gone over to America he's got the design going he's got it going on um, I mean look <laughs> Frank Warren um, he's put a few decent shows on yes um, Golden Boy as well um, I mean they're pretty much samey this year. Um, I just think with with Eddie Hearn and Matchroom, I think they're always looking beyond themselves. He's always looking to to improve every year, add more fights, add better uh, quality to the fights. They they got knocked the year before. I think we knocked them last year. We didn't even bother giving them an award because um, I think he was so involved in what, what's going on in America. I think now he's found the balance a bit better now, and we're starting to see good fights uh, on on our shores as well as in America. Um, and we're not necessarily, for me, I felt last year was just sending the, the UK fighters over to get blitzed by the Americans. That's what it sort of felt like while he gathers his stable. Um, uh, but uh, for me now, I think for considering the fights that he put on this year, I would go with Matchroom and Eddie Hearn as the promoter of the year. Uh, I've got to give him his due. He has found that balance now of putting certain shows on in America, certain shows on in the UK and doing a bit of cross-promotional, bringing him to and from, you know, the fact that he was able to bring Alexander Usyk over to be able to fight Anthony Joshua because obviously Usyk had signed that three-fight deal with Hearn. Uh, mm-hmm. The fact that he was able to manoeuvre that way to get that fight happening was, I think, was a great move because he got us the fight that we wanted and we've seen a, a result that maybe not everybody expected to see. We've got the fights over in America, the cards that he's putting on, the quality of them, are hit and miss, I think, still, but I do think they are better 
then Queensbury, Golden Boy, top rank and Premier Boxing Champions as it stands. Top rank have probably come second for me in this. I think if I was going to put it to anybody else, it'd be the top rank because some of the cards they have pawned have been pretty decent. They've showcased some really great fighters on the undercards of these big events, but they just don't do enough of them. And that's what lets them down. For me, Matchroom does take it because of the, the frequency of their their actual pay-per-view, not just pay-per-views, but obviously no, normal shows across the UK and, and, and the USA. And I think he's done a pretty good job of, of, of breaking that USA market when it comes to boxing. So yeah, Matchroom takes it for me. So there's only two more things to go through now as we come towards the end of the BTR Boxing Podcast 2021 Awards. We had the Olympics, that should have happened in 2020, that happened in 2021, and obviously our Brits was over there, and we did our Brit shows, we did our Olympic shows on the on the GB team, and we decided to throw this little award in for the GB competitors that were in there, and we had a female category and a male category, and I've decided, as of you, Johnston, we've gone for a bit of a unanimous decision on this one, and we've <laughs> gone with uh, Lauren Price as our female British Boxing Olympian of the Year, and Galal Yafai as the male boxing Olympian of the year. I think they've very well-deserved awards. I think they've deserved them. they put on great performances throughout the competition, and it was great to see the the great British flag flying and these, these, these guys and girls doing so well in the Olympics and keeping boxing on the map in the Olympic Games, and it was great to see, and we loved covering it because, obviously, we've always loved watching Olympic boxing so I thought it was nice that we like you said we, we put something in there we recognized that for 2021 and I, I thoroughly enjoyed uh, doing our little shows on the Olympics throughout throughout the course of the year so yeah good little award to stick in before we uh, become we come to the climax of the show I think the climax of the show is uh, the interesting one um, because we've done a pay, uh, pound for pound list now this is not sexist, by the way. When we when we do this, we are we have only done it for the men. We've not done it for the women, um, for no particular reason other than that. You know, the men's pound for pound list is always a debatable and subjective one, and we felt like it'd be a very good talking point for both ourselves and for for you guys when you listen back and you think, hmm, are they wrong? Are they right? Could I have put someone else in there? Could I have took them out? Well, this is it. So this is again, this is a unanimous decision. This is our top pound for pound male fighters across 2021 and this is this is how the list goes so at number 10 is Emmanuel Navarrete number 9 is Nonito Donaire number 8 is Vasily Lomachenko number 7 is Juan Francisco Estrada 6 Arta Paterbiev 5 Oscar Valdez 4 Naoya Inoue 3 Josh Taylor 2 Terence Crawford and sitting pretty at number 1 it's Canelo Alvarez. Johnston, talk to me. Let's talk about it. Like, what, what do you what do you think about our combined top ten pound for pound fighters and and where there could be some changes and some some subjective comments on it? Yeah, I think I think the first thing people were going to turn around and say is, well, where's the heavyweights? And uh, well, quite frankly, we've removed the heavyweights from the pound for pound list. So we've got pound for pound list is separate to the heavyweights, and the other thing was inactivity. So I think the one name that people are going to go, well, where's Errol Spence Jr.? He hasn't fought this year. Uh, he ain't fought for over a year. So Errol Spence Jr. will not feature in the top 10 for the pound for pound because he hasn't fought. Um, and I think that's the reason behind it. Um, same as Gennady Golovkin as well. Um, but look, um, I think every, it's so subjective, isn't it? But I, I don't think you can really shape the top sort of five, maybe top three, uh, top four especially, uh, Canelo, Crawford, 
Anoua and Taylor. You could mess around with Valdez, but uh, Estrada even. I mean, that could have easily have been Roman Gonzalez because if he'd have won that fight, he probably would have been in there. Uh, where's Lopez? He lost the one fight. Could Cambosis could not go in there? No, not for me. He needs to go and repeat that feat. I mean, there's so many other names um, that, that could have potentially have jumped in there. For me, Nanito Donaire has had a great, great year. Ever since his defeat to Inoue, he's just rejuvenised himself. And he's a, he's just, I think he deserves to be in there for his longevity, for the fact that he's, he owns another world title. And, you know, he's beaten undefeated young, younger fighters in him. It, look, uh, he's just he has to be there because he's not going to be there forever and he probably won't be in the top 10 um, in six months from now uh, but that's just the way it is um, but Navarrete's and a, a fighter I enjoy watching you know and he gets overlooked so I mean look just to just finish this off the comebacks and the future of 2022 that there are going to be other names that will be added to this Errol Spence Jr if he gets himself active again and um, absolutely, you know, you can't doubt what he's done already. I just think he needs to get himself active and he'll definitely feature in the top 10. Um, I, Ikota, the, the Japanese guy, uh, Tim Zhu, uh, obviously Virgil, Tis Jr., Tia Lopez, I'm sure. Devin Haney had a good year. Javante Davis had a good year. Shakur Stevenson as well. And Stephen Fulton Jr. They're all guys that could easily have sort of knocked out your Danaires and your Navarates. But look, um, I think it's a strong list. I think especially the top five, top six is very strong. I don't think they'll be budging in the next six months unless there's a shock defeat. But other than that, I mean, Lomachenko's found himself back in there. Um, yeah, I don't know what you think, Sean. There's probably a few other names in there we could chuck in. But I suppose what we should then do is throw out your top five heavyweights because they're not in there for a reason. The pound for pound should be about other divisions and not the heavyweight. The heavyweight should be its own separate one. That's just my my opinion. Um, I'm just selfish like that. But um, <laughs> if you was going to do your top five heavyweights now, who would you go for, Sean? Ah, well, I think uh, number one would have to be Tyson, Tyson Fury. Number two would have to be Usyk. Number three would have to be Joshua. Number four, I'd probably put White at number four. Yeah. Uh, number five... I think I find number five quite difficult because it's going to be a toss-up between quite a few individuals. Could you put Joseph Parker in there now because he's sort of had this bit of resurgence in his career. He had that recent win over Chisora, and I know Chisora isn't really the gatekeeper to greatness, as people might say, but he is a guy that has been in with pretty much everybody and anybody in the heavyweight division and still gives everybody a, a hard fight. Then you've got the likes of Louis Tortiz, who's just beaten Charles Martin on New Year's Day this year. So, you know, could you stick him back up there in the top five? Is he still a threat? Could he still beat any of these top guys that he's never really fought before? For me, again, I think the top three or four are, are absolutely solidified. I don't think you can change them much at all, if any. I mean, how, how can you put Usyk over Fury? Because he's only just moved up. Yeah, he's beat Joshua. Fury has already beaten the best of the best. The only people he hasn't had the chance to fight yet is Anthony Joshua and Usyk. And he'll, he'll definitely fight one of them before it's all said and done. Win, lose or draw. But as it stands for me at this moment in time, it has to be Fury at the top. Usyk has to come second because he has beaten Joshua. Joshua sits third and Dillian White, although he's not won a world title... I think he's just the best of the rest, and that's why I sit him there at number four. I don't think Ortiz or Joseph Parker or Robert Hellanius or, or any of them fighters could even push push him out of that spot. And it's not because I, I think he's also 
a gatekeeper to Grain is because there's nobody else I could put in that spot. There was nobody there. You can think of guys like Philippe Hergovic, who, who people seem to be avoiding. He's definitely sitting, sitting probably... Probably number five, yeah. I'd probably put him at number five because he's he's a really avoided fighter. Nobody wants to fight him at all. Nobody wants to get in the ring with him. Could you put him in there? Quite possibly. But it's 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 quite easy to chop and change that sort of number five spot. But the top four for me, that that's solidified. There's no way you can change that. Yeah, no, I agree. I think I think I'm my top five. I mean, I had Fury at, at one because of that very reason. Like you said, you know, he's been around. He's you know, he's beat Kalitsko before that and, you know, he's gone and done what he's done with Wilder. Okay, he's only Wilder, but, um, you know, it was a tremendous fight. He deserves to be the number one man. And then Usyk would clearly sit in second because he just defeated Joshua um, until Joshua can beat him, which I don't think he will in a rematch, but we'll find out. Um, then um, I think if he does that, then Usyk probably would he would be pushing Fury for that number one spot. And I, inevitably, that should be the next fight shouldn't it you know fury has done his part he's beaten wilder fury should now be fighting white who i have at number four um that's what should be happening and then joshua should be fighting Usyk in in this in their rematch and then whoever wins those fights should be fighting each other uh but obviously if white throws a spanner in the works and goes and knocks out tyson fury which i doubt very much but you know you never know it's the heavyweight game then they'll have a rematch, and then and then what happens then? <laughs> Waiting even longer for an undisputed world heavyweight champion in the world. Um, it, it, you, you think it's going to be this year, and then something happens. I mean, we thought, we really, really thought that Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury was going to happen. Uh, Wilder, for a spanner in the works, threatened to go to Colt. Uh, it looked like if he didn't fight, he would have had his belt stripped. So the undisputed was always off the table anyway, even if Fury did fight Joshua. But Usyk went and goes to Pete Joshua anyway. So look, it, the heavyweights is just a separate ball game to the rest of the divisions because it's just the glamour division for us. I mean, I know you loved heavyweights. I loved heavyweights. My number five would probably still be Deontay Wilder because I still think Wilder could potentially beat White and he could potentially beat uh, Joshua. Um, it could even beat Usyk. I mean, you could. The crazy thing is, you could have Usyk against Wilder at cruiserweight. They're both. They're not that big. They could quite easily boil themselves down to a well cruiserweight uh, weight limit, uh, which is is a fascinating uh, insight there. If we, <laughs> if we didn't realise, um, but look, um, yeah, top five: Usyk, um, Fury, Usyk, Joshua White, and Wilder for me. But yeah, I mean, that's the end of the year. Then that's that's the end of the year. Wolves, hope you enjoyed it. And um, if you missed some of the fights, go and have a look and watch them because they've been fun. Yeah, yeah, and again, I can only really apologise to to our listeners who who've obviously had a lot of big fight previews, reviews, and 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 sort of tuned in because of them, and and maybe that's why you came to us in the first place all them years ago. This is the fifth year now. We're in twenty twenty two. It's the fifth year that the pod's been running. Not by the time it comes to September twenty twenty two, it'll be five years since the pod started. And Johnston wow. joined us in what was it, twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen. Uh, you've been here what three years doing the pod with me now. So it's you know, you know, there's been a lot of, of changes over over the years, and we've done big fight previews, local interviews, all sorts of different categories. I think we've got it nailed down now, and I think for twenty twenty two, it'll be a case of, of again making sure we prioritise them big fight previews, making sure that we arrange all our series based content around that, and, and making sure we still deliver these these episodes because yeah. we do love doing 
doing these episodes and we do yeah. love doing the fight previews and the reviews because you know they are quite interesting there's a lot of good talking points there's a lot of debatable talking points with them and we do genuinely miss them and, and we couldn't do any at the back end of last year because of the dark side of boxing of course we did uh, a really good run on that 10 consecutive weeks 10 episodes uh, a lot of after shows involved in that so it was really difficult for time to be able to get that in there so i can only apologize that if you have been listening to us for that that we haven't delivered it to you we hope that we've been able to give you a bit of a taste of what it was like to listen to that again by doing this episode and we will look to do it once more this year and we'll look to get more of them back out there uh, and enjoy doing them ones but again as we always say in every episode the support that we have from you guys is immense so thank you so much for continuing to listen to us thank you for all the support on social media the sharing of all the episodes on social media the support for all the series based content has been immense as well and we hope that you all have a great 2022 and we hope that covid goes away completely we hope that everybody gets back to complete normality and that boxing gets back to complete normality more importantly and we get them big fights and we get some of them big nights once again and we can sit there and we can chew the fat over a lot of these debatable incidents, bad scorecard, bad referee and bad judges. They're the, probably the most topical debates that we always end up having. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Johnson, I've, I've loved it. Again, I've loved doing this. I've loved, loved doing the end of year show. Uh, we'll be back again with more series-based content coming up. Career Profiles comes back very shortly. And then we've also got the return of legendary nights that's coming back soon as well so we've got some of that and then the big fight previews will be coming back also well guys thank you for listening give us a follow social media btr boxing pod on twitter you can find us on facebook instagram youtube btr boxing podcast network we hope you've enjoyed the btr boxing podcast 2021 awards and we'll see you next time for a big fight preview Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.